Let's pray one more time, and then we're going to get, get into God's word together this morning. And so let's invite Jesus to teach us about being members of his body. Does that sound good? Sound like something we should do? Ask him for direction on that? Yeah. All right, well, Lord Jesus, we thank you that, um, that your plan for us is to live within your community. God, it's, your plan is for us to come into right relationship, to be adopted into a family as sons and daughters of our heavenly father. And Jesus, your heart for us is that we learn and grow and experience the life you intend for us by being connected with you and connected with each other. And so Lord, would you, would you teach us things maybe we don't know as we go through this series? Lord, would you remind us of things that we have forgotten or neglected along the way? Lord, would you give us strength? God, equip us to be who you've called us to be and to live how you've called us to live. And Lord, we, we know, we acknowledge up front, being in relationship is difficult. God, there's hurt, there's divisions, like it's risky to be in relationship with each other. But God, would you remind us that it's worth it, that there is great joy and life and strength and a deepening of love that we experience when we participate in the family you've invited us into. So God, would you be our guide and would you be our strength as we walk this out? It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. So when, when I was a kid, the church I grew up in, it was, it was a relatively, like the building itself was kind of, kind of more, more modern, a more modern church building. Um, but we dressed up a little bit when we went to church back in my day. Dad was in a suit and tie. Mom was wearing a dress. You know, I could probably get away with like khakis and a button-up shirt. But like we dressed kind of nice for church on Sunday mornings. Anybody come from like an experience or a tradition like that, right? Like we dress up for church. Um, and then I, I never grew up in a church like this, but, you know, then there's these churches that are, have like these incredible buildings. Some of them maybe even ancient at this point, right? They've been around for a long time and they're, they're huge and they're beautiful. And, you know, Amy and I had the privilege um, several years back of going to Italy um, to celebrate our anniversary. And we spent some time there and, and we got to tour a couple of churches that were just like kind of mind boggling, honestly, especially when we were going from, you know, a gym in Knoxville to like these big church buildings that have been around forever. And there's something just awe-inspiring about it, like kind of majestic, you know, big columns and huge ceilings and the artwork's incredible and like the stained glass windows. And, you know, there's something behind all of that. There's something behind, you know, dressing in our fancy clothes or going into a building that just, it, it's meant to communicate that something sacred is happening here something different, something holy. Now, my next sentence isn't that we're pivoting to suits next week. <laughs> but there you go, amen. <laughs> but I think sometimes it's worthwhile for us to slow down and go, what, what is behind the reasoning of that? 
And see, what, what I believe originally was behind the reasoning of that is a couple things. Number one, it's to acknowledge how incredible God is. He is sacred. He is holy. He, it should be awe-inspiring to us to be in the presence of God. Like, y'all, that, that meant something. There's some incredible freedom that we have in Jesus where we're, we're told we can boldly come before the throne of grace, and I'm grateful for that. But, like, there were people who weren't allowed to go into certain rooms and touch certain items or there was certain death. There, there is a holiness associated with Almighty God. And, and so some of those, those behaviors in our past, in our history, and even still today that many people walk, it's meant to communicate that and that's important. The other thing that it's meant to communicate is that church itself, that the gathering of the people of God. His family is a word that's used throughout scripture. His body, like, like that means something. Jesus' body, we're called his family, we're called his body. That there is something sac sacred and special and holy about that. And what's interesting to me about these church buildings and this mode of dressing and this, this state of existence is not only is it sacred and holy and set apart for like that special place on that special day, but it's, it's a part of the everyday rhythms of life. That throughout a week of normal, everyday, often mundane living, that there is a regular, consistent encounter with something sacred and holy and special. Now the problem is, as, as we often do, when something becomes a ritual or routine, we lose sight of the purpose at the beginning. And one of the things that has happened to us as followers of Jesus is that we have stopped associating church with the gathered people of God and we associate it with all kinds of other things, a building, um, a group of, of people, like church means I'm gonna hear that guy get up and talk. I'm gonna listen to those guys get up and sing. I'm gonna be at this place at this time of day. And, and while church, like those, those things are a part of church, they aren't church. Like I'm even guilty of this. I just say heading to church Sunday morning, right? Or it's Sunday morning church or see y'all at church Sunday. That's not right. <laughs> we are the church. The people of God are the church. And so the, the goal here, my hope, both this morning, but also as we go along in the series, is that, is that the Lord would help us to hold these two things together at once. Just kind of that the awe-inspiring, sacred, holy thing that we get to be a part of, and yet the sense that it was supposed to be a part of our everyday life. The rhythm of my life involves regular encounter with this sacred, holy, beautiful thing called the people of God. We're meant to be linked. We're meant to be joined. So I have two main points this morning, um, and then we're going to take communion at the end of the service, okay? So two main points this morning. My first point is really the introduction to the whole series, and my second point is kind of our one point for this morning's sermon, all right? So... Point number one, a little vision for the series. I wanna, I wanna bring us into three passages that 
there's a very good chance are very familiar to us. And, and my hope is that we can do what I was just describing. We can move out of, I know that, check the box, move on, that we can go, Lord, what's, what's behind this? What's the depth of this? What's the thing you want me to sink my teeth into and not miss? And so I wanna start by giving us um, two passages that describe Jesus' vision for his people and some direction, some instructions, right? He gives a sense of what this is gonna look like and then how we can go about it. So here we go. There are two kind of key moments that he shared with his people before he ascended into heaven. One of them is found in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. You most likely know this as the Great Commission. I just wanna highlight one or two things from this that, that Jesus has to say. And so Jesus comes to his disciples and others. There's most likely about 120 people at this gathering. Um, whether they were all 120 were at this moment, that's about how many folks had kind of rallied around Jesus after the resurrection. And so Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. There's awe. There's the sacred. That should produce a sense of wonder, right? All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. That is a huge statement. And in light of, of this glorious power that Jesus holds, he then says, in light of that, go therefore and make disciples. Not go build buildings, not go be influencers, not go rally a bunch of crowds. In light of the sacred, holy, powerful person of Jesus, he says, go make disciples. Of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So you, you're inviting everyone. There's gonna be diversity amongst my disciples. That's a good thing. There's meant to be diversity among my disciples. And they're being brought into, they're being brought, not out of, but they come from all nations, all languages, and they're being invited into a united family under the banner of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Baptized, identified with in that family. Verse 20, what do you do with these disciples? Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. I want you to pass on everything that you've learned. The life you have received from me over these last three plus years, everything I've lived, taught, that you've experienced, pass that on to others. So there's kind of our first our first little vision and instruction from Jesus. But there was another encounter, another conversation that took place and involved a very specific instruction. We find it at the opening of Acts. So Matthew wrote this, Luke wrote the book of Luke and, and the, the kind of part two to that letter, um, the book of Acts. And so he records, I'm just gonna read a, a little bit of this dialogue here with Jesus and his followers. I'm gonna read uh, chapter one, verses four and five, and then also verse eight. And while staying with them, this is Jesus, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. So yes, you're gonna go therefore, but don't, don't start yet. 
Wait here for a minute. Why? Wait for the promise of the Father, which Jesus said, you heard from me. See, I've been talking to you about this, this promise from the Father. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So the very way you're gonna be able to carry this forward and invite others into this family is by being empowered by the presence of the Holy Spirit. Friends, here is the reality. The church was born through discipled people who were filled with the Holy Spirit. We gotta stop overcomplicating this. Life's complicated. Jesus calls us into something simple. Simple doesn't mean easy. Life with Jesus and life in community is difficult. But what we've been invited into is, it's simple, guys. Discipled people filled with the Spirit of God. Think about this. The Spirit, God's presence, made the word that had been poured into the disciples' lives the Spirit, God's presence, made that word come alive in the disciples. It came alive in them and they embodied the life of Christ. See, Jesus was the original word made manifest. Jesus was the word made flesh. He was filled with the Spirit. He was the living word. And so they they watched him, they interacted with him, they had relationship with him. But Jesus left all of this with the disciples. He he poured this life, this word, this stuff into them. But he said, just being around me and hearing it all isn't enough. You need the empowering presence of God to enable you to live this out. To live this out. So what happens? Peter, who knew all of this stuff, had been like, Slicing people's ears off and then running and hiding and like he's been a mess and we kind of pick on Peter, but he's just kind of a reflection of where all of them were at. Like they were all a mess right around Jesus' death and burial. And and even after his resurrection, like the scripture tells us there were still people doubting and grappling and wrestling with what they had seen. But when the Holy Spirit showed up and touched the lives of people who, who knew about Jesus, something shifted something changed. And so Peter gets up and preaches a sermon filled with the spirit and filled with knowledge of who Jesus is. And thousands of people get saved. So I want you to see now the church was born out of word and spirit, all right? So this new church is born and immediately after these folks come to Jesus and we have the first church in Jerusalem, we have a description of what their community was like. Now, I'm gonna read through this. I I don't expect you to catch it all in one read through, but we're gonna be diving into this more in the coming weeks. But I'm gonna highlight a couple of things here as we go. So Acts chapter two, verses 42 through 47, unpack what this community looked like. Verse 42, and they devoted themselves. Now I just have to pause right there. I'm sure, maybe you'll believe me, maybe you won't. 
I didn't even realize till we were about two or three weeks into the Daniel series on Devoted, or at least my preparation for it, when I realized, you know, we're gonna follow that up with a series on the church. And our main passage is this. It's like, we did a series all summer on what it means to be devoted. The people of God lived out what it meant to be devoted to community. And so let's grab maybe some things the Lord has sown into us in these last weeks and go, Lord, how do I apply this now into, into the context of being in your family? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers, and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Just the very existence of these people drew others to say, man, I gotta participate in that. I need to be a part of that. Now, I want you to notice some things here. Number one, I already kind of highlighted a second ago. They were devoted to consistent spiritual practices. Verse 42 uses the word devoted, and then two other times later, it says day by day. There, There was disciplined rhythms of life where they devoted themselves to spiritual practices. These were daily habits that embodied the life of Jesus. This is the word part. This is the being a disciple part. I I am taking hold of the life of Christ and I'm doing it in community. And so they were devoted to that. It also says there was awe that came upon them. There were things that you just couldn't explain outside of the presence of God. They, they were in awe of what was happening in their midst. There's something special. There's something unique going on. Friends, they were aware of and experiencing the sacred and the holy just by gathering with one another. Yeah, they were at the temple sometimes. They were often in each other's homes, but they were, they were experiencing the very sacred presence of God. They were experiencing his touch. You know, we hear miracle, we just think like, well, some amazing, glorious thing that's mind-blowing that I could never experience. Listen, Jesus touching people's lives is miraculous. Being set free from sin, addiction, having the Lord relieve you of depression and anxiety, watching the miracle of being healed, like God does miraculous stuff. And he does it amongst his people. Word. Spirit. See, the same two things that came together in the lives of the disciples, they then passed on to this group of people who, who now their, their new identity is, I'm a part of this family. I'm a part of this community. And there was regular, consistent devotion to learning the life of Jesus and to experiencing the presence of God. Those two things coming together. See, all too often in the church, um, we've, we've, there's a lot of ways we've kind of separated, separated into our little um, pockets, little groups. But for a lot of the church, we've separated word and spirit. 
Like we'll find places that are really devoted to the word of God and faithful to it. And, and man, you can just go and just soak up on just like, man, verse by verse, line by line. You just get really immersed into God's word. And yet many of those groups will, if not outright deny, just don't really engage or acknowledge like the full power of the presence of God's spirit. It's maybe talked about in passing. You know, or all too often, some of our more charismatic groups filled with the spirit, filled with, with seeing miraculous things taking place and, and in many circles, not very good at being tethered faithfully to the word and have even gotten off into some very strange, weird things that, that then give, give kind of a, a wrong impression, a false view of who, who God is. And the very thing that's meant to draw people and touch their lives can like push people away. And so we tend to gravitate towards wherever we feel most comfortable or most drawn. But the reality is we are meant to be people of word and spirit. And we were meant to experience this together. Over and over and over again, the word together is used, fellowship, all things in common. Like they were together in temples and in homes, gathered worship and everyday life. They prayed prayers and they met practical needs. They embodied together in everyday life, the life of Jesus. They experienced it together. So I wanna give a little practical application then we're gonna move into the second point this morning. As as we kind of embark on this journey in the coming weeks, I just wanna encourage you for, for, I don't want this series to feel like it's a critique to something we're getting wrong. I hope it's, if nothing else, like an inspiring reminder of what we're a part of. But I do think we should be open to saying, Lord, is there anything you wanna highlight in me that, I, that I've missed, that I've neglected, maybe that I've never done, an area I can grow in and see what he might highlight to you along the way. So I would just encourage you, some application. We, we can all continue to grow in our knowledge and practice of the life of Jesus. See, that's one of the reasons why he puts us in community together. Because if I'm not in community, if I'm growing in knowledge, I I can do that just listening to podcasts all day long. I can read some books. I can gain all kinds of knowledge. But biblical knowledge, when when the the word know is used in the scripture, it's it's used in a very intimate terms often, right? It's, It's about more than just information it's, it's knowledge that's getting applied into my life. It's easy to read all about how much God loves us. It's really difficult to then start learning to sacrificially love other people. It's easy to love people that just, I have nice interactions with them. Like I can love y'all on a Sunday morning. That's pretty easy. Like about the only thing I have to avoid is like bad coffee breath, usually mine. That's about the, the most offensive thing I'm gonna encounter in a little greeting on a Sunday morning, right? But you start really doing life on life that gets difficult. The people I love the most are also the people that maybe I have the most challenges with. If, if my kiddos were really listening, they would say, amen, dad. That's what it's like living with you. Um, no, but listen, that's, that's reality. And so we learn together as we are engaged in relationship together. All right, so we need to grow in that. Friends, we need the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. We need his presence in our lives. We will talk about that a bit along the way. Um, But I I just, I want you to know, like we are meant to receive the Holy Spirit into our lives and and we're meant to grow and recognize and cultivate that relationship. 
You know, the, the title of our church is Grace Chapel. We talk about the grace of God. And often get, grace gets really, we focus a lot on attaching it to mercy, and I think that's an aspect of grace, like amazing grace saved me. But, but grace is about the empowering presence of God to do in us and for us and through us what we cannot do on our own. And so, man, we're meant to, to experience the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. If that's, if that's like new territory for you, a new area, and you're thinking, man, I wanna grow in that, we will talk about the Holy Spirit during the course of this series, but we did a really thorough, in-depth series on the Holy Spirit two and a half, three years ago now called Abide. If it's not currently on the website, we'll throw it back up there where it's easy to find in the sermons page. But we did everything from like several weeks on just who he is then several more weeks on how to cultivate that relationship. And then we finished off by talking about the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. And, and the gifts of the Spirit look really beautiful and wonderful when people who are filled with the fruit of the Spirit are operating in them. And most of the things that, that scare us or make us nervous or even wounding we've experienced along the way were when people who weren't operating in the fruit of the Spirit, their gifts kind of hit us wrong. We'll, we'll talk more about that. All right, and then finally, friends, we need to learn and grow and live together. That's it. The word and the spirit change us personally within community, okay? So here's what I wanna talk about now kind of in point two. Um, I wanna encourage us to consider, am I really awake to this fact? Am I, am I living in a, in a regular, consistent way? Am I living in the reality of the fact that I am a part of a body? Like, I am a part of a body. And so I want to do this by, by first looking at Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're just going to hone in on a couple of verses here. Um, but Paul is talking to the Corinthian church specifically about taking the Lord's Supper together. And they did it in the context of a full meal. So they would gather, sit down at a table, share a meal together, and they would break bread and drink like real wine. Um, that, that's a Bible thing. Anyways, so they gathered to do that together. And so he's talking about the context of this because he's saying when we hear what we're about to read, he's giving them instruction on taking the Lord's Supper together, but he's addressing a problem. He's addressing a problem. And he's saying in their context, they were missing each other. They were missing each other. There was brokenness and disunity in that body. So listen to his words. He, he tells them, here's what we do. We take the bread and it represents his broken body. We take the blood, it rep, or the cup, it represents his shed blood for the forgiveness of sins. And then verse 28, he says, when we do this, verse 28, let a person examine himself. I wanna invite you into taking stock, examining this morning, but like kind of even going forward. Think about it this week some. Examining yourself and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body. That's the title this morning, discerning the body. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. Friends, this is where the sacred and the holy touches every day. I wanna be familiar with 
the broken body of Christ and the shed blood of Christ. I, I want that to be a part of the rhythm of my life. It's a rhythm of our church. Typically, we take me in at least once a month on family Sundays, last Sunday of the month, like today. But, but Paul's saying, guys, we've got to remember this is something sacred and special. We're, we're approaching Jesus, his body broken for us, his blood shed for us. But friends, I want you to consider something. The bread, for example, the bread specifically, what does it represent? You can shout it out. The body. The bread represents the body. And we, we break it because Jesus was broken for us, right? Okay, now I want you to consider something here. Jesus now calls us the body. And in the context of this passage, Paul is not just saying you haven't discerned the broken body of Christ. He's saying you are not discerning the body that you are a part of and connected with. You are missing each other. And the issue that he's addressing is that some of them are flat out indifferent to one another. There's almost like a, I don't even know that you exist. There's like a lack of awareness of even how they're impacting one another or they aren't impacting one another because they're just living in their own little world. And so he's addressing that, just kind of a general disconnect. And he's also addressing specifically wounding, brokenness. Like there is hurt and division within the body. And so he's saying, hey, you come to do this and you're not even recognizing you are a part of something that's broken right now. You're, you're missing it. You're not even aware of your brothers and sisters. You're not even aware of the impact you should be having on one, each, one another that's good that you aren't having. Or you're ignoring real issues, real brokenness in relationship. You've hurt each other. Don't come together and do this if you're not willing to address that. Does this make sense, guys? He, he calls us to discern, to recognize that we are a part of something. And he's using the terminology of body for a reason. Like, like a body is all one thing. Like I'm grateful for this, it's important. I'm grateful for these, they're valuable. This gets me into trouble sometimes, but I get to eat cheeseburgers, so it's pretty good. Like, these are, but I, I don't, like, refer to my elbow as this separate thing. One body joined together. Paul's saying we have to have that sense of awareness that I am connected to something. Am I even aware of how my body's doing? Do I even view that what's happening with you is happening to me? We're connected. And so he wants to wake us up to that. And then he says, because, you, because they haven't been discerning the body, and he's telling them you need to examine yourselves, there's some problems in the house. Because they haven't, he then points to some issues. Verse 30, listen to what he says. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. We don't like reading that verse in church. In fact, I've often, you know, there's a couple of go-to places in the scripture, right, about that show the Lord's Supper. Like you can read some of the moments of the Last Supper in the Gospels or you can come to Paul's teaching on it here. And like we rarely continue to this verse, right? We stop at like we're just sharing in the body and blood of Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Paul's saying like 
you're so missing each other that you don't realize that while you're gathering to do something sacred and holy, you've already disregarded and damaged the thing that is sacred and holy to him. You are mistreating and abusing image bearers of Jesus. Or you're just completely checked out on them and doing your own thing. And so he says the consequences are there's unhealth. In fact, there's even death. So about 12 or 13 years ago, I was youth pastor at Grace Chapel in Franklin, and I had a really like just painful injury, like a really painful injury. And you know, I'm sure we call it right to old moments where you've hurt yourself. And so this particular day, we were getting ready for what we called the luau. And we did this like every August, we did a big luau for the middle school kids, and then eventually it was middle school and high school together. And so if you're planning a big luau for a bunch of people, you definitely make a Costco run. And so we had loaded up on a bunch of stuff from Costco and we're unloading it now down by the barn we're gonna have. And so when I say I had a can of, of baked beans, I ain't talking that size. I'm talking Costco, like, are you with me, okay? And I'm wearing flip-flops. And I drop a can of baked beans directly onto my big toe. You can feel it, can't you? You're like, please stop talking about this and move on. You can feel it. You can feel it. My toenail to this day is weird <laughs> as a result of this incident. It was incredibly, I mean, it was just painful. It's like that kind of pain where you wanna get away from it. You know what I mean? It's like, can I just get away from that pain? See, with me, just, you just hearing this, whether you've ever done that to yourself or not, just hearing it, you're like there. I can feel it, right? If you've done something like that, you're remembering that moment and you're really there. But if you were here in the room this morning and you did that this week and your toe is still hurting, like you're really present with it. We're, we're meant to, to like recognize and know and understand where the body is hurting. And, and guys, my silly toe analogy here like the reality is there is evidence of wounding everywhere in the church. Like loneliness is on the rise. People are lonely. People are discouraged. Divisions have been happening for a long time, but people are super divided now. People are afraid to talk to each other about certain issues because they've already decided, I've already lost those three friends. I don't wanna risk losing anymore. We're lonely, we're discouraged, we're divided, we're distrustful. People are abandoning relationships and even the church community. That's real. Now, the church has dealt with that for 2,000 years. This isn't new. But man, is it happening like crazy in our country. The evidence of the wounding is everywhere. The solution, the healing comes from Jesus, but the healing is meant to come in the context of leaning back in. It's hard to do that. See, it's one thing to drop a can on your own toe. It's another thing when someone else has smashed your toe. That causes you to be a little, little distrustful, a little cautious. But friends, the very thing we wanna pull back from and protect ourselves from is the very place we're supposed to go 
to receive the healing Jesus meant for us to receive. His grace didn't happen in a vacuum to a bunch of of perfect people who were never hurt and never wounded. It showed up to our very brokenness and wounding. It showed up right there. Jesus wants to heal us and strengthen us and restore us in the context of community relationship with each other. Andrew, I'm just gonna skip that last verse. I'll save that for a later date. So I wanna finish with this thought and then we're gonna take communion. Just thinking about this this week, you know, I used the example at the opening of the service of like going into this beautiful elaborate church and the stained glass window and all the things we don't have in a gym. <laughs> but I was thinking about a stained glass window. You know what's really interesting about a stained glass window? If you actually look at it, it's made up with a bunch of just like small little pieces that actually look broken. Like they're broken little pieces, but when they come together, it's a beautiful story, a beautiful picture. Friends, Jesus' was, body was broken for us because we are broken people. And in his brokenness, we are made whole. And you know what is really interesting? We are called the body, just like the bread represents. We're never called the blood. It's the blood of Christ that gives life to the body. And in the blood is where we receive forgiveness and healing. Think about that. The reason why community is where we encounter this grace of Jesus is because it is in community, in the difficulty of relationships, where we experience the very grace we need. Like we can never lose sight of the need to have some humility with one another to be quick to confess and to repent, to choose costly forgiveness. Like Jesus never said forgiveness was easy. It is hard to forgive hurts and wounds from others. But it's in the context of broken people coming together and taking Jesus at his word that something sacred and miraculous is happening when we gather. And when I lean into those relationships, I say, Jesus, you gotta come do what I can't. I need your spirit. I need your blood to give me grace to forgive, to give me the sense that, God, if you could do this for me, then I could humble myself and repent before my brothers and sisters and ask forgiveness for the wrong I've done. See, it's in the very context of community, even in our brokenness, where we experience the life and grace of Jesus. Friends, that's what it means to discern the body. We discern the power of him operating through each other, and we discern one another even in our brokenness. Does this make sense, friends? So here's what we're gonna do this morning. We're gonna, we're gonna like live this out a little bit. We're gonna do something different than we typically do. Typically, elders and deacons come up and, and we just kind of serve and you come up and take the elements and go back to your seat and partake as you're ready. We're gonna do something completely different this morning. So my caveat, if you're not comfortable with this, we still have some prepackaged communion back there. If, if you wanna do that, totally understand, okay? But what I'd like to do this morning is I would like for us to serve each other communion. So here's how we're gonna do this. I'm gonna start, I'm gonna come right down here. I'm just gonna stand up here with the elements and one, like if, if you're single, one person at a time, if you're a couple, one couple at a time, if you're a family, come up as a family. I'll stand up here and I will serve communion to the first 
family that comes up. Y'all take it right there together. Then I'm gonna hand you the elements and I'm gonna go sit down and you're gonna turn around and you're gonna serve whoever comes up next. And we're just gonna take our time and serve communion to one another, all right? Parents, y'all kind of work together with your kids to do that. If one of your kids wants to hold the, the juice cups up for somebody, great. Let's serve each other communion and discern the gathered body of Christ as we remember the broken body of Jesus. Can we do that? All right, I'm gonna pray and then, and then we'll start partaking of communion together. Jesus, thank you for your incredible love for us. Jesus, if we were alone, you're enough. And so we're grateful for that. We're grateful for your body that was broken for us. We're grateful for your blood that was shed for us. Lord, that we could be forgiven and made new and be welcomed into your family. But Jesus, thank you that we aren't alone. Thank you that you invited us into your family as your sons and daughters. And so Lord, this morning, as we take communion, Jesus, we want to remember you and be connected to you and the life that we have in you. Lord, we also want to remember the connection that we have with one another. And so help us to discern you and to discern the body. Lord, we pause right now to just examine ourselves. Lord, if there's some general ways that we've been disconnected from you or from your body, can we just acknowledge those right now? We repent. We receive your forgiveness. Lord, if there's specific places where there's brokenness in our relationships, God, we can't take care of other people, but we can own our part. And so this morning, God, we just purpose to repent and humble ourselves. We purpose to extend forgiveness where it's needed. And Jesus, we thank you that this is all possible because of the life that we have in you, because of the grace that's available in you. And so we remember you this morning and we celebrate you this morning and we choose to embrace you and your body, the body of the believers, your family. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.